And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who could answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA, Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Good evening, North Carolina, and thank you for joining us once again on Money Matters with the Lewis family. This is Linda Lewis. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And thank you for joining us. You're listening to us on News Radio 680 WPTF. And what a lovely day. It's been a little overcast, but it's been a lovely day. It really has. Kind of enjoyable to um, yeah. not have storms <laughs> on us, but although around us. Yes, and uh, brisk at <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Well, well I was going to say the same thing probably you're going to say is tonight we don't have Doug with us. Yes, Doug <laughs> is taking it easy. <laughs> And well-deserved time. <laughs> well, Deborah, some very interesting things happening in the market. Of course, some uh, historical highs in the Dow. And uh, what yeah. else can we say about what's happening in, well, in you know, the news lately? The, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is the article that was in the paper today. In the and News and Observer. Absolutely. And it was um, it was really a cautionary it was it was entitled a cautionary tale and it really is i want everyone listening to to realize that we're we're absolutely um lewis financial management has been around for a long time and we're always trying to point out the good the bad and the ugly and here's a cautionary tale for for listeners tonight martha caps a wake county woman who suffered from dementia and little financial savvy died four years ago after being bilked by a financial advisor her case, which came to a close last month, closed last month after a protracted legal battle, offers lessons for baby boomers. Robert Zotun was the attorney, and he was very clear in saying, you've got to know who you're trusting with your financial affairs. You have to do due diligence, and this case is a reminder of that. It is often sad that many of these things never make the news. So because this one has, and it's in our area, we wanted to at least let you know that, you know, in Raleigh, you have someone you can trust. In this situation, uh, the former financial advisor um, or the advisor had been with um, a firm and he was fired. He was sentenced to three years in federal prison in 2010. He has served his time and has been released. Earlier this month, what was good timing, is the U.S. Department of Labor proposed regulations for investment professionals, and it's to lay out tougher standards for protecting retiree savings. And Linda, as you and I know, on a weekly basis, we're talking to people about what they've accumulated in retirement savings. This is a huge deal. Yes. 
people in North Carolina and people everywhere that that work that are diligently working and accumulating saving and and uh you know taking care of family etc they're putting their trust in us and then when they look for an advisor that can assist them in not only looking at all their stuff if you will because a lot of folks are so busy that they don't pay attention to where is the money invested within the 401k what about this inheritance what do i do what about if a spouse or a relative has dementia how do i take care of their affairs that's right these are the kinds of situations that's right the the article continues on as baby boomers retire and start to re start to think about rolling other savings or over savings into their 401k type retirement accounts to other accounts Investment advisors have sometimes pushed products that bring them higher commissions, like annuities, we frequently are breaking that up, that might not be best for the customer. So even the Labor Department is feeling that regulations need to be imposed. They need to be the type of regulations that would require investment advisors to enter into a contract with the customer, stating that they are putting their investors' interest first. Of course, this is something we do at Lewis Financial Management. Every client knows what the relationship is going to be encompassing what kinds of things we're going to do, but first and foremost, that their interest is ahead of our own. They also would be required to disclose any conflicts that might prevent them from putting their investors' interest ahead of theirs. So the Labor Department is specifying, need a contract, need to know that the advisor you're going to is putting your interest ahead of their own. So this this has to do with compliance. It does. And regulatory issues, because anyone that's that's putting themselves out there as a financial planner, as an investment advisor, as a fiduciary, there are standards that they have to uphold. That's right. Whether educational and, of course, you know, the the regulatory issues are out there and they are to be adhered to. That's right. Well, you, you know, you bring up some points because then it comes to the issue of regulation. Well, who can regulate? And the Labor Department proposal applies only to retirement money. The Dodd-Frank regulatory law that went into effect in 2010, that gave the SEC or the Securities and Exchange Commission power to propose a similar rule that could universally apply to brokers, even if they were not handling retirement money. So the concern is out there. In our own locality, we've seen an an example of someone taking advantage of someone and uh, her case being handled by this local attorney, uh, Robert Zaytoun. And uh, he is quoted in this article saying, you need to be careful. You need to be aware of this. So if you have a question tonight about your own financial situation, your retirement plan, call us on the open line on News Radio 680 WPTF. That number to call is 919 860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And if you've been considering your situation and you would like to schedule an appointment, we'll be happy to schedule you and send you some introductory information regarding our services at Lewis Financial Management. That number in Raleigh to call is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. The article um, points out one of the things that I guess appealed to them originally was is that the former representative, the, the guy who did this family wrong, uh, was a former North Carolina State University basketball player. And he was fired from his 
um, broker-dealer in March of 2007 for failing to disclose a loan taken from a customer. All of this to say that if you're going to meet with a financial planner, don't go because they were a star on a basketball team or they're a family friend or they're a family member. Go because you've got the right sets of questions to ask can you, are you qualified? What would you do if I became your client? Would we have a contract? Will we lay out and talk about what my goals are? How are you going to help me accomplish them? And, and really, really know that the person you're going to has the skill set that you would want to hire a financial planner to do. So it's important first to take action. And if you have been working and accumulating, or maybe you've recently lost your job, or maybe you're uh, changing jobs uh, within the same company, maybe under a different umbrella. Maybe you have questions about rolling over your IRA or your 401k. W- whatever the questions are, work with a competent individual, work with a certified financial planner, such as Doug Lewis and Deborah Lewis, and look at the credentials of the individual that you're working with. Are they educated? What's their experience? What's their background and what's their fees? That's right. That's right. And that's the power of radio. We have Deborah and Linda Lewis in studio right now. Call us on the open line, 919-860-9783, and you can be on your uh, way to a happy retirement. Well, Doug, what else is new in the world of uh, financial planning and regulatory issues as well? You called me Doug. Oh, Deborah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Thanks, Mom. Sorry, Debs. <laughs> okay. Well, there is more news um, about this whole, what do we do about the fiduciary standard versus the suitability standard? Because that is a big concern. So another article that was in the Wall Street Journal um, said that um, Mary Jo White, she's the head of the SEC. She's even bringing to the concern that we need to raise the bar for advisors. Here she was saying that just in general, her personal view, um, whether or not it can be enacted or not, but her personal view is that the SEC should act to implement uniform fiduciary standards among the brokers and other financial professionals overseen by the agency. And this oversight would ensure investors get the best practice and aren't steered but to products with unduly high fees that slowly eat into returns. And this is so important. I mean, so important. Again, the Labor Department said it planned its own rules to tighten standards on financial professionals who advise on retirement account investments such as 401k plans. Under the current rules, brokers' recommendations have only to be suitable for clients. So that's a weaker standard, isn't it, Deborah? It really is. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it, but, but what you need to know if you're listening tonight is, is that when you go to a broker, they can give you great advice, they can give you bad advice. Same, same thing if you go to a financial planner, you can, they can get good advice, you can get bad advice. What you need to know is that when you're buying an investment and you go to a broker, the standard that they are held to as to whether or not that investment is good for you is whether or not it's suitable. A financial advisor, a financial planner, a certified financial planner like myself, my standard is, as a fiduciary, am I considering your needs, goals, and concerns ahead of my own? Your interests. Exactly. So um, 
A key aim of any SEC proposal would be to bring the agency standard for brokers in line with so-called investment advisors it also oversees and that are already operating under a fiduciary standard. There are some 4,500 brokers under the SEC's oversight and 1,200 investment advisors. 12,000. 12,000, according to the SEC. Yet investors are typically unaware that they are subject to to different standards. And I think that that can bring the end of that conversation. But just so you know, when you are buying um, from brokers, there is a suitability standard, and um, you need to know that. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you've got a question regarding your situation, call us on the open line, whether it has to do with investments, retirement, what about your estate and college funding? What about cash flow? People are always concerned about whether they're saving enough because they're always spending enough. <laughs> but call us on the open line with your questions at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, Linda, I thought we might play an archive call tonight from Bob about a rollover pension to an IRA. This question might apply to your situation. All right, Doug, let's take another call. Bob, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? Good evening. I was just going to ask about the disadvantages of rolling a pension plan into an IRA, a corporate pension plan, for right. small business. Okay, well, let's take a look at, at, at the facts. First of all, that when you say your your pension plan, are you leaving your company? No, it's a, it's a privately held company. Privately held company. And... You have a pension plan established there. Correct. Does the plan allow you to do a rollover? Yes. It does allow you to do a rollover because some plans do not allow you to take possession of the money until you leave the plan or until you leave the employment. But your plan does allow it. Right. Okay. Well, in my opinion, there are no disadvantages at all. There are only advantages. Give me a little idea about how much you're talking about, and I'll show you why. How much do you have in your plan? Almost a million. All right, you've got a million dollars, and this is in your own in your own part of the plan, not the total plan. Correct. All right. Well, if you go ahead and do an IRA rollover, and where is the money invested right now? With a life insurance company. All right. That means that the money manager of this million dollars is the one who's controlling the money and making the decisions, right? Yes. All right. Let's say you do an IRA rollover. And by the way, I would roll it over to an independent trust company that has no products to sell in your case. Now, if you had told me you had $10,000, then I would do something else. But in this case, I would use an independent trust company and I would roll it over. Now, that million, and by the way, that's a tax-free and also an, a cost-free move. There's no charge for that. Well, I think some of the independent trust companies will charge you 25 bucks. Okay? All right. Now, you then control the selection of the investments. You meet with your certified financial planner. You develop a diversified investment portfolio. And in your case, if I had a million dollars, I'd probably pick 20 different uh, investments at $50,000 a piece, just to make sure you don't put all your eggs in any one basket. I'd maybe pick 20 different mutual funds so that I have more diversification. Each 50000 would be spread over maybe 50 to 100 stocks or bonds. And then I would have my... IRA administrator or my new trust uh, my at my independent trust company, I would have him go ahead or them invest the million dollars in these twenty funds. So 
you're basically controlling everything. I, ret- I retained telephone control, so if you didn't like the way one, phone, one fund performed, you could move from one fund to the other and so on. Okay. But the key there is you need to take control. And, and, and for sure, most insurance companies just do not have very good track records in terms of investing the money. And if they did, I certainly wouldn't want the whole million dollars there. Bob, how old are you? Sixty. And uh, are you going to retire before too long? or? Well, who knows? <laughs> well, I think that I would get control myself. And uh, if you'd like, I, I don't like to give specific advice on the air, but if Linda will give you my office number, if you'd like to call the office, I can go ahead and give you a little more specific direction. Yeah, I could uh, send you some information regarding an independent trust company if you might be interested in that, Bob. And the number at the office is 872 Thank you so much. All right, and thank you for calling. If Bob's call about pension sparked an interest in you, call our uh, call the studio right now, 919-860-9783. We've got Linda and Deborah Lewis here to answer your questions. Again, that question uh, that number is 919-860-9783. Well, Deborah, there was an interesting um, article in financial planning about how safe investments can destroy a client's portfolio. It was a really good article. Because as you know, a dividend-paying stock gets investors a regular cash payout from a company while letting them participate in the stock market's upside. And municipal bonds are safely backed by governments, and their income isn't usually taxable. But after years of low interest rates and rising stock markets, these once conservative strategies might actually be putting investors in risky situations. So here's where their income investors are going wrong. Um, well, people are investing too narrowly. Is that correct? Correct. People who are focused on income rather than growth are getting more of that income from just a few sources. Of income investors over age 40, 52% are getting most of that income from just a few sources or specifically from two or three dividend-paying stocks. And 31% are relying on only one dividend-paying stock. So this is really too narrow. Being so concentrated in a few income-generating stocks is dangerous. With only a few stocks, investors are violating the most important rule of investing, spread money around to lower the risk of big losses and make one's portfolio less volatile. We at Lewis Financial Management typically put clients' funds Owning into fun, I'm sorry, typically put clients' monies into funds owning hundreds of stocks and bonds in a variety of categories. Again, just stressing that the diversification is the most important part. So another um, segment where investors are going wrong is that people are filling in for the sales. They're, they're falling for the sales pitch. That's right. Falling for a sales pitch. With interest rates so low, many older investors are desperate for income. Some brokers are taking advantage of that desperation to sell investors products that are expensive, overly complicated, and just wrong for their particular situations. The most worrisome investments that are in this category are structured products, variable annuities, and alternative investments including leverage inverse ETFs. Investors, some even over age 90, have found that their money was locked up in these highly risky investments, and they also end up paying big fees, which, of course, are going to eat up any income that the product might have yielded. 
So financial planning also says that people are betting on overvalued investments. That's right. People are betting on the things that appear to be better than they are. So pinning your retirement on just a few companies is risky. But the current state of the stock market adds to more risk. By historical valuation standards, U.S. stocks that pay a dividend are just looking expensive. They, The Dow Jones U.S. Dividend Index is up 181% over the past six years. So here what they're speaking to is that you might have a, a false sense that things are just going to continue as is, and we just know that that is not going to be the, play, the, the, the situation. So if people are willing to invest in companies based outside the United States, they can find companies paying healthy dividends at more reasonable valuations. And in regard to municipal bonds, those are the debts backed by cities, states, and other local governments. Here you have also, they've also had a great run lately too. So with muni bonds being up, stocks looking up, things that are looking up, don't be um, mistaken to think that things are going to continue to always be up. You need to have diversification. I'd say the last big thing that I took from this article, Linda, is that people are just taking too much risk. So when we talk about portfolios in our office, as you know, we talk about you be, you begin with a philosophy of reducing risk. One of the big ways to reduce risk is to first and foremost meet with a certified financial planner. Get some proper objective advice. Find out what your situation needs. What are your restrictions? Do you have a retirement plan at your employer? Do you need to come up with a retirement plan outside of your employer not offering one? Maybe you've accumulated $3 million in your portfolio, and you need some advice as to whether or not your asset allocation is a proper asset allocation. That's right. And there's always the what if. What if one of us gets in a car accident and I predecease my spouse. Right. Have I prepared for the worst? That's right. Or what if I get incapacitated? Right. Maybe you need a second opinion. Work with a certified financial planner. Call us at Lewis Financial Management in Raleigh. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. That's right. And it's it's just keep keep chipping away at the the risk level. If you can reduce your risk, you have taken the first step in making sure that your goals are achieved. So overall, this article, the takeaway was income investors may not be able to avoid risk entirely with stocks at record highs and interest rates at record lows. It's harder and harder to find an income that's perfectly safe. But to get the income you need, you need to protect yourself by spreading your assets among many, as many investments as possible. And uh, that's what we do here at Lewis Financial Management as we work with everybody beginning with a risk reduction strategy. And that's as many income-producing investments as possible, right, Debs? That's in this article. That's right. That's right. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us on the open line with your question. The number to call is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. So I'm thinking that we might play another archived call. This one is in regard to a better savings plan. Fred asks this question that might appeal to uh, many people who are listening tonight on how do you start a better savings plan? Let's pause here for a caller. Fred, this is Doug Lewis. How can I help you this evening? I want to start a savings plan. I don't currently have one except with the uh, a money market 
which is through a local bank. I'd like to get a better interest rate, and I wanted to see what vehicles I could use to accomplish that. I've looked at uh, no-load mutual funds, but I have there's so many of them, I have no idea which way to look. Right. Uh, well, let me just ask you a quick question. If you were going to go out and look for a wife, would you look for a wife with long hair or short hair? <laughs> uh, depends on what she looks like. <laughs> That's exactly my point. Don't go looking for a no-load mutual fund. Okay. In other words, you look at mutual funds according to the performance of the managers and how much they've made. Don't go looking for a mutual fund just because she's got long hair or short hair. You know, that's all the trimmings and the dressings. That's a bunch of hype. Okay? Now, let me ask you about, you want to get into a savings plan. What do you have already? Uh, I have a, I have a money market with a local uh, credit union. How much do you have set aside? Uh, what's in it right now? Yeah. About, uh, $4,000. And what's your income level? Uh, 65000 What are your living expenses? Do you have any idea what your monthly expenses are running? Uh, Do an analysis, find out, multiply by three, get that money out of the credit union, I mean out of the money market account that you're in, choose a mutual fund family that has a money market account. And it doesn't matter now, load or no load, because all money market funds at all mutual funds are no loads. Okay. Uh, and once you've got that accumulated to three times your living expenses, three times your monthly expenses, then go ahead and continue to move into a balanced fund, being a stock and bond fund. A stock and bond fund. Right. If you would like to receive a living expense form that will help you figure out what your monthly or annual expenses are, I'd be happy to send you one if you'd like to call our office. Okay. And I, I can send you one in the mail. Sounds great. Our number is 8727000. Okay. That's a good idea, Linda. A lot of people don't know how to get into their living expenses. All right. Okay, Fred. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. If you've got a question, call right now, 919-860-9783. Our number right here in studio is 919-860-9783. You know, that call reminds me of two that I had this past week, and... They all generally begin the same way with I haven't, I don't have a good idea of what to do because I don't really know what my living expenses are. And that, as you know, Linda, is a large part of our focus as, as we're building that relationship from the very first time that, that people call in and want to make an appointment and come see us. And, and yes, we're, we're privileged to have a very full calendar year round, but this is this, same question that many people don't know how to answer. So if you're listening and you'd like to get a handle on what are your living expenses, you need to just start keeping track three months worth of what you spend. But we also know in the end, did we spend everything that we brought in or did we have some excess left over? Because the ultimate goal is if there's anything left over, let's capture it. Let's put it in to an, uh, as either a savings that you might need to pay for living expenses until you have an emergency fund. And then after which, let's invest it. And if we can invest it in small bites along the way, throughout the year, month by month, or just Dollar the months. Dollar cost averaging. Or just the months that we are putting in money when we can, when we do have excess, then by the end, yes, dollar cost averaging will be applied to it, but in the end we will have accumulated something versus having nothing and still only knowing that we have a problem. What are our living expenses? What? How much money do we have left over at the end of the month? And also to make sure that your portfolio is balanced. That's right. Because a lot of folks 
are doing a great job of saving, but it's all in the 401k. Or it's all in some retirement vehicle. That's right. Now, now you bring up a good point. So if if you are setting aside money through salary reduction in your employer's 401k plan, and you do know that that part is taken, then the monthly income that comes into your checking account and isn't spent on living expenses, if it can be captured and set aside in a personal portfolio, you've now created two pockets on this one pair of pants called my investments. I have a retirement pocket and a personal portfolio pocket. Now I have money going into my retirement plan. I've talked to the Lewises. I know what I need to invest in inside my retirement plan. They've given me some good advice on what my choices should be. I've gone over and spoken to them about what I should do with this excess $1,000, $2,000, or $3,000 a month. Or maybe 6000 a month. Right. I mean, we right. see all kinds of people during a, a regular week or month at Lewis Financial Management. But whatever that amount is, if it's being invested in the personal side of the portfolio, now we can feel more balanced. We know that we've got retirement savings. We've got personal savings. Should something go wrong along the way, we've got three months, six months, whatever we need of living expenses covered. This, again, is where everything comes back to. If you know how much you need to to pay the, the bills now and you've got excess, set it aside. Because the setting it aside is when the income stops. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to all retire, you know. We want to at least. And then where is the money going to come from? And so solving that question is a big part of what we do on a daily basis. So call us tonight, 919-860-9783. If you have a question about your retirement, personal, or just overall financial planning, during the week, you can reach us at 919-872-7000. And speaking of appointments, I've had the pleasure of week after week um, offering a choice of a free book when people make appointments with us, uh, The Wealthy Barber, Middle Class Millionaire, Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. But yes, when you make an appointment and come see us at Lewis Financial Management, we uh, we give you a free book um, that we have enjoyed reading. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us with your question on the open line. You may be getting close to 70 and a half, and you might have some questions about how much do you need to take as your required minimum distribution from your IRA. Is this a question that you have on your mind? Call us on the open line with your question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, Deborah, what's new in the world of estate planning? Well, estate planning, there are a lot of uh, lists you'll find out there. And one of the ones that I thought that might be helpful tonight is my version sort of of uh, uh, some estate planning pitfalls that you, you might want to avoid. And so when when one is thinking about estate planning, you have to think about this is a big issue that normally you need to prepare for because you're not going to be around for it. <laughs> you know, you, you've either done good planning or you haven't, but there's no changes. Um, once, once, once it's over, it's over. So changes in both demographics and tax laws require a massive rethinking of estate planning strategies now. The goal used to be to pass as much wealth to the next generation as possible and to try and do it as tax-free a manner as possible. But now with an estate tax exemption at 5 million, 
the estate planning focus should now be focused on, you know, estate planning should focus now on protecting and preserving the family. The focus now shifts to a legacy. And that's important because if we're thinking about how tax laws change and are up for change year to year, we need to be ahead of these things. I need to be working with someone who is aware of these changes. So there are some pitfalls that one should avoid, and several of the trouble spots uh, may be, number one, some folks have no contingency planning for their retirement assets. True. You need to confirm both primary and contingent beneficiaries, and you need to make sure you have a plan for what would happen if a beneficiary predeceases you. If you leave assets to a child and that a child passes away, Many states would redistribute that money among other siblings rather than the child's own heirs. So here, if you have three children and one child dies and your intention was for the child's children to receive, if you didn't make that preparation, the child who predeceased you, his children would be completely disinherited and the other two children would have one half of his third. So as it gets more complex... As life goes on, some of these situations are real situations we've taken from our 32 years at Lewis Financial Management is, yes, sadly, sometimes a child does predecease a a parent. You know, just recently I, I heard of a situation where an individual, um, had cancer and her family had to take her to the hospital and then she was discharged. But she was still not feeling well, and so they took a second trip back yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. Well, this individual, this elderly lady, had a will, but she made a second will, and she never signed it. And in the course of uh, the last two weeks, she passed away wow. in, the, in the most, you know, right. in the last two weeks. This family has had to deal with a loved one, you know, with certain desires and changes, but she never wow. implemented them by signing the new will. Yeah. Unexecuted documents, a big, big thing that can throw a wrench in all of your intentions. And of course, you know, it's, it's not a joke. Once you're, once you are gone or once you're even incapacitated, you can't go back and make these changes. So be on top of these things. Know what your will is. Know where it is. Know if you needed to update it. Review it. Get with a financial planner. See if they have recommendations that um, you know might bring things up to date. You know everything changes. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you have questions about your estate planning and you would like to schedule an appointment with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call us at Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. Leave us your name and number. We'll call you back and send you an introductory packet. Well, Deborah, another trouble spot or pitfall may be that you've not planned for dad or mom's new romance. What about yeah. that? <laughs> so, so, so I pulled some statistics and, um, apparently that well, in all seriousness, what ha- what can happen is when one spouse dies and the other remarries, it can really change the estate plan. So you need to know ahead of time, if I predecease my spouse, what would my wishes be in regard to 
my part of the estate. If not, um, there are some things that can come up that can that can be unintended. And 61% of widowers are usually in a new romance or a new romantic relationship within 25 months of their wives' death. Whereas compared to that, 19% of widows are in a new romance or remarry. So I guess, I guess, I guess men while alive need someone to, to iron their shirt after they're dead. <laughs> the wife dies, they need someone new to iron their shirt. But either way, <laughs> that's just kind of funny though. But if this is a real concern, and it should be, what do we do when one of us dies? And do we have concerns that we would want to speak from the grave and making sure that uh, we don't accidentally disinherit the children? Because this is, this is, this is probable, not, not speculative. Well, love is a many splendored thing. And, you know, if, uh, if, if you're out there listening and you've gone through a divorce and you've remarried or maybe you're in a relationship and you have to stop and think, what about my heirs? What about my loved ones? If God forbid something happens to me, what happens to my assets? That's right. And working with a certified financial planner, will help you address those specific issues and help you be proactive on getting this checked off your list. That's right. right. That's right. And it's a, it's a big part of estate planning. You know, how do I prepare for the, if, you know, if if one of us were to remarry after the first spouse dies, um, another concern or another pitfall to avoid would be cutting corners in the estate plan. The audit rate for estates with more than 10 million is 116%. So the more disclosure, the better. Once auditors find a problem, they tend to keep digging. So you better be squeaky clean. And it's funny because in most scenarios, it's not uh, creative. It's usually ignorance that causes problems. It's not like people are usually being creative um, in, you know, evil genius sort of mentality. It's a lack of real Getting good advice, knowing what you should do, taking advantage of the current estate laws, being being involved in your own estate plan and what your desires are. Another pitfall to avoid, coming up short on incapacity planning. So incapacitation is a huge issue. So you have to take care of your estate planning in regard to if you were to die. And you have to take care of your estate planning if you are incapacitated. You've had a stroke. You are unable to take care of yourself and not dead. So if you are coming up short in the incapacity planning, you'll have a big hole in your estate plan. Because of because of, of lots of things, but because of increasing client longevity and mobility, you need medical directives and durable powers of attorney. You need them to be enforceable in any state. So get with a certified financial planner. Make a appointment to review your estate plans, your estate documents, your intentions. And um, while we don't create documents at Lewis Financial Management, we work closely with several attorneys in Raleigh. And um, competent estate planning absolutely. individuals that can draw up these documents, make sure that you can sleep well at night because you've addressed your estate planning issues, your investment issues, and your retirement assets and beneficiaries have been set in place, and somebody knows about it. Now, Deborah, there's another uh, pitfall to avoid, and that has to do with failing to plan 
for aging parents. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned that a lot of folks are living longer. Yeah. A lot of folks are healthier or they're exercising. And so, and they're certainly working longer than. That's right. Than my parents were. Right. Full retirement age is now 67 years old. Exactly. So So failing to plan for these aging parents would be a big pitfall. Don't be a baby boomer who is relying on an expected inheritance as a retirement plan. Big, big no-no. As your parents' generation lives longer and lives lavishly, or doesn't, just needs enough to, just uses it to, for living expenses, that inheritance may be minimal if there's any money left at all. In fact, some may actually have to support parents who are living longer than expected. And we see this come up as a question many times in our office that parents thought they would be able to handle things, but something happened. An illness, uh, uh, you know, the home situation, you know, in 2008, 2010, the stock market, a lot of situations where there are people who are helping the older generation make it through the rest of their lives, paying for living expenses, knowing, knowing that they can help and, um, and, and relying on an inheritance is a big, big pitfall. It may not be there because they might just need to li- need it because they're going to live longer. Exactly. And, you know, as, as parents are facing dementia or Alzheimer's, then that extra added cost of them being in an assisted living facility, if they haven't provided uh, long-term care insurance coverage or some kind of benefit, and if you've accumulated wealth, let's say you've got Three million, five million, ten million. You can self-insure. You can pay for the costs of needing additional care, whether it's round the clock at home or in an assisted living facility. But what is needed is to make sure you that with- your advisor is helping you look at the numbers. That's right. right. Oh, absolutely. Another pitfall: failing to ask who do you trust. You need to make decisions for several separate documents, and the answers may vary per document. Try to avoid putting the assets in the hands of a brother who filed for bankruptcy. Not a good idea. (laughs) Or placing responsibility for medical decisions in the hands of a young adult child. They just may not have the experience. And make sure you spell out in a separate document who should and who should not have custody of any children. It's funny. Many people are shocked to find out that they can't will their kids. <laughs> you know, that's a separate item. You need to designate guardians. A guardian. So <laughs> a lot of these things that come up are from real life experience or from articles we read, um, most of which is from uh, just having lots of different clients with lots of different experiences. Our last pitfall to avoid in regard to estate planning is not considering income tax consequences of trusts. Now, trusts we talk about a lot because we're one of the few financial planners and financial planning firms in the area that does a lot of trust document work. Um, we don't create the documents, but we help in the designing of them. So if you are looking at trusts and or have them as part of your estate planning, planning for death has become about basis and income tax planning. Gifting assets is one income strategy for the terminally ill. 
and use RMDs to fund charitable bequests in advance. But make sure you get a waiver form from the beneficiary so the charities recognize that they're getting advances. You need to work with a financial planner with a working knowledge of unique income tax rules of estates and trusts. And that's what we do at Lewis Financial Management. With just over 10 minutes left in the show on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF, we have room for another call or two. So call us right now, 919-860-9783. If you've got a question for Deborah or Linda Lewis, call right now, 919-860-9783. So I think we'll play another archived call to see if it, Sparks anyone's need for to call to call in tonight and ask their question. This one is in regard to inheritance and or paying off a mortgage. Well, then let's take Dave's call. Dave, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you? Yes, I had a question about inheritance. All right. If I'm receiving an inheritance, uh, enough to pay off a mortgage, uh, and that's the only debt I have left, would it be wise to use that inheritance to pay off the mortgage? And then use the mortgage payments I was uh, planning on paying for use those for uh, children's education, or is it better to continue to keep the mortgage and use the inheritance? All right, let's find out some facts. How old are you, Dave? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Married or single? Married. Married. And are you employed right now? Yes, I am. All right. What's your What's your income? My income is about eighty thousand. Eighty thousand. And your wife is she employed? No, she's not. All right. So family income is at eighty. Now, living expenses right now, including the mortgage, how much your living expenses run, let's say, on a yearly basis, including, um, and include everything you think of, you know, like your travel, your gifts, your lifestyle for the year. Right. I would say probably have maybe $40,000 know, a year in expenses, including the mortgage. Now let's go to your assets before the inheritance. What do, you, what do your investments look like? Probably maybe $10,000 total in mutual funds. All right. So you've, so you've accumulated $10,000. That's your total investment portfolio. Correct. At this time. All right. Well, yeah, your expenses must be much, much higher than you think they are because we've we're we're missing twenty five thousand a year or thirty five thousand a year. That's that's going somewhere. You see what I'm saying? Right. And I think that's important answering his question about the retire about the, okay. the mortgage. Right. Now, all right. Now you received an inheritance. How much is your inheritance? Probably around one hundred and thirty. All right. So you received one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Right. And how much is the value of your home? The value of the home is about two hundred. The value of the home is two hundred, and the mortgage, uh, the outstanding, uh, it's about one ten. Hundred and ten. And you want to know, does it make sense to go ahead and pay off the mortgage? Pay off the mortgage. And have twenty thousand left, and use that and put it in some mutual funds, and then the thousand dollars a month I'm paying for house payment, put some type of investment. Plan yeah. Together. Well, I think really, if you think about it, you've already answered your own question, Dave. You have shown a very poor history of investing when you've had cash on a regular basis because you've just told me that your excess is 35,000 a year. You should be able right now under the information you just gave me real quick to be investing about 3,000 a month and if it hasn't been happening, I don't have a lot of comfort that it will be happening if you ex- if you end up with an extra thousand a month, which should be four thousand. Right. My advice to you would be to capture the 130,000. Get that invested. Okay. That 130,000 even under uh, you know, a normal or even maybe a worst case scenario should be able to produce for you about 9100 a year, about $750 a month income, which you don't need to pay the mortgage. Right. 
Right. The other thing is, by paying off the mortgage, your taxes are going to go up. Correct. So then you, you'd be in a worse condition. I think what you need to do is step number one, see a certified financial planner. Okay. Step number two, design an asset allocation with the financial planner for a an investment portfolio that invests the 130000 into unit sizes that uh, I would say maybe – Oh, $15,000 unit size to get about eight investments there. Okay. Work with a living expense sheet with your planner that will go ahead and go over the expenses and get your lifestyle on paper the way you and your wife are comfortable. And then whatever that excess is, if it turns out to be not 3000 a month, let's say it turns out to be 2000 a month. Right. We need to get that money invested at the beginning of every month in what we call a pay yourself first plan. Okay. And then be living on the excess and build into the arrangement what I do in my practice when I have clients like that that have commissions, we build into the timing for the lumps that are expected to be coming versus the bare base salary that's coming through the year. Correct. And I think that we needs to be done, but by waiting to try and accumulate, I think that's a mistake. I'd capture the lump and get it working. Okay, great. Yeah, and write down your questions, and as Doug said, you know, work with a financial planner. If you'd like any information that we can provide for you, you can call me at the office. Um, and that number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000. And our number in studio is 919-860-9783. If you've got a question, call right now and you can get your answer on the air. 919-860-9783. Well, Deborah, what is new in the world of retirement planning? Well, a lot of people have questions after being uh, hit with the surprise that they had over-contributed to an IRA, a Roth IRA, um, and usually just the ones outside of, of retirement plans. So if you put your money into an IRA and you put in more money than the annual contribution limit, the the government or... Um, you know, IRS will sack you with a 6% penalty each year until the extra money is taken out. So this is heavy duty. I mean, this is, this can be quite costly. Those most likely to run into the penalty are workers who earn too little to contribute the legal maximum and for Roth IRAs, those who have too much income. Excess contributions will become more of an issue. And that's what I saw this year. I must have had six people ask me that same question. What do I do now that I've found out I've over-contributed to my Roth? So <laughs> it was the first time I really had that much interest in trying to answer the question. So be prepared by October, looking at how much you've contributed, how much your income is going to be, because this surprise factor usually comes, at least in the six examples I'm referring to, are people who made more than they thought they were going to make. A nice problem to have, but you got to deal with it. Taxpayers younger than 50 can stash up to 5500 in traditional and Roth IRAs for 2015. Those 50 years old and older can put in up to 6500 But you can't put in more in an IRA than you earn from a job. So whatever you earn, there's a formula as to how much you can tr- contribute, right? Right, right. You're limited by the dollar amount. Now, let's say you only made $3,000. Regardless of the fact that you can put in 5500 you can't put 5500 in. You're limited to $3,000. So you have to know that the first rule is, well, you have to have earned income, and you're going to be limited to that amount. But let's assume that you have a, 
uh, a high enough income, and you can put in fifty five hundred. If you're over fifty, then you can put in sixty five hundred. Correct. So those with higher incomes who contribute to Roth IRAs also can run into trouble. And Roth eligibility in 2015 phases out for joint filers as modified adjusted gross income rises between 183,000 to 193,000. And if you're single and you're filing single between 116,000, it'll be Going up to a hundred and thirty one thousand. No, no, you're, no, no, no. Your fit, your, your, the phase of income is one hundred sixteen to one hundred thirty one thousand. Correct. So, meaning that here, here's the the bottom line is is that if your income as a joint couple is higher than one hundred eighty three thousand, stop contributing to the Roth. Your threshold, if you're a single filer, is one hundred sixteen to one hundred thirty one thousand. Where people started to have this panic at the end of the year because they realized that they had hit the threshold and passed it was in regard to the penalty that you'd have to pay the tax on the over contributing uh, over contribution to the Roth. So workers of any age can contribute to a Roth IRA. Workers can no longer contribute to a traditional IRA starting in the year that they reach 70 and a half. That's another little tidbit that I wanted to put out there. Once you reach 70 and a half, you can't contribute you can't to an contribute. IRA. Contributions to a traditional IRA past this age cutoff are considered excess. Now, here's where it really, uh, the, the, the end question is, what do I do about it? So because the 6% penalty racks up every year that the problem goes unresolved, it's important to address the issue quickly. The longer you wait, the worse it gets. But you do have a couple of options to fix the problem, particularly if you catch it early. You can avoid the 6% penalty if you withdraw the excess contribution plus its earnings by the due date on your tax return, including any extensions. However, you must pay, or well, I should say, well, I guess it is a must. You must pay ordinary income tax on the earnings. And if you're younger than 59 and a half, you must pay the early withdrawal penalty of 10%. Now, Linda, there's an example. Can you give us that example? Well, let's say that an account holder had a 2014 excess contribution of $1,000 that earned $200. He would have to take 1200 out of his IRA by October 15th of this year. So he would owe income tax on the $200 earnings at the 25% rate, which is his his tax tab that would be $50. But if he's younger than 59 and a half, he would owe an additional $20 on the earnings. So... Yeah, now, now, well, the only silver lining to that scenario is, is if the value goes down, then there's no tax penalty. So here we get to the, the issue of, well, Roth, Roths can be useful, usually only up to a certain age, and they can also be useful, but usually only up to a certain income level. Be on top of it, get someone to work with you, a certified financial planner like myself, like my father at Lewis Financial Management. Have a great week. been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. 
For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.